Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, our first real post-game show of the 2023 season. It's Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Ashley Bastock. We're going to recap the Browns' 24-3 win over the Cincinnati Bengals here at Cleveland Browns Stadium, which is where we are all sitting uh, in separate places. But um, anyway, the Browns winners today, I sent out to our uh, our football insider subscribers send me your comments send me your questions we're going to go through uh some of those and listen i'm just going to start scott mandel from los angeles gets us really into the the meat of this he's feeling excited he says i don't know about you but this is a really strange feeling a championship caliber defense a real kicker who makes kicks a better than competent quarterback i think we're going to get to all three of those things but mary Kay, i think any talk of this game today starts with what this defense did against Joe Burrow and the Bengals. This is, there's so many stats you could look at and, and say, well, this is why the defense played so well, but this is the one that stands out to me. In the game book, they list the team's 10 longest plays from scrimmage. The Bengals list, their longest play was 22 yards. And then after that, no plays over 12 yards. And five of their longest plays were eight yards or less. Of all the ways we could define how dominant this defense was today, I think that right there tells me almost all I need to know about how they performed. They were not going to be denied. I mean, they shut down the Bengals. They shut down Joe Burrow, shut down Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase, who, of course, had so much impact on this game with his words beforehand. And it was one of the most dominant defensive performances that I've seen by the Browns. I mean, it did remind me of, um, you know, just how much they did come out with their hair on fire uh, in that in that playoff game against the Steelers. It just, uh, you know, it reminded me of that, although that one kind of got out of hand. Um, This one, they never let up. I mean, my goodness, three points, two of 15 on third down. All those, uh, you know, the, the short amount of plays that you just rattled off. I mean, they, they couldn't do anything. And every single defensive player to a man, uh, you know, just played out of their minds today. And it was really a sight to behold. Ashley, I mean, we knew that this defense matches up well with the Bengals. And we've seen them have success before. I can't remember it ever looking like this. And uh, like... I'm not equipped right now to put this into historical perspective. Maybe that just means I'm bad at my job. I should be able to do that. But I, I don't know if I've ever seen the Browns defense this dominant, uh, whether it's against the Bengals or who. I mean, Mary Kay mentioned that Steelers game. But even that Steelers game, there were just some wonky things that happened, like the snap over Ben's head to start it. This was just from the moment Zadarius Smith hit Joe Burrow to start the game till Miles kind of clinched it with that fourth down sack in the fourth quarter. Like, I I don't think I've ever seen a Browns defense perform like this since they came back. It just felt like they were dominant and comfortable and complimentary, like all afternoon that they were just doing what they wanted. And I'm in the process of like writing about this, but I think what's so impressive is like, we saw what they've been talking about. And maybe that's a really low bar to clear, but I felt a lot of times like last year, especially we didn't see the things they were talking about. And they would talk about players being versatile, but they would use them in all the same ways. Um, like say for maybe switching miles to the other side of the line, which we all know how that turned out um, with Jadavian Clowney's exit last year. But we actually saw like real versatility and like, 
we saw Dalvin Tomlinson lining up against offensive tackles and Obo Garanko and Miles Garrett standing up like linebackers sometimes and five defensive linemen on the field and Miles and Zadarius Smith lining up from the inside. I think Zadarius was on the inside at the very first drive on third down. Like we saw all of this stuff. Um, and in turn, I think it, it made the secondary look good too. And they performed in coverage when they needed to. But I think like, especially with the front of this defense, even if they weren't always finishing with a sack and they, they did have two today, Miles had the big one um, at the end and then Obo Garanko had the other one early. They were all over Joe Burrow in terms of hitting them. And, and Zadarius Smith and Miles Garrett, they each had four quarterback hits too. Um, so I think that just kind of tells the story of, you know, we talk about all the time, like, well, sacks aren't everything to these teams, especially analytically. Today is the perfect example of why that is, I think. Yeah, Zadarius said after the game that, like, sometimes hitting the quarterback is more valuable than a sack. Like, you could have a couple quarterback hits and, you know, like, you, I, I don't remember exactly how you phrased it, but just you know, hitting the quarterback over and over again just really uh, affects him. Uh, which brings us to to this question um, from the 424 area code. Uh, who deserves most of the credit for Burrow's bad day? Coverage, pressure, or the weather? I mean, Mary Kay, I, would, I could probably say all three, but I honestly think just putting it on the weather takes away from what this defense did because I think the weather was a factor but not to the level of Joe Burrow basically having his worst game that he's his worst game of his NFL career. Yeah, it was so bad. I mean, I think there were a lot of factors that kind of conspired to lead to this outcome. Um, not the least of which is an absolutely 100% dominating performance by an attack minded defense. Jim Schwartz has really just, you know, Unleash the dogs, like I said earlier on a video. Uh, and I think we're going to see that all season long. Obo even said that to me. He said, you know, this is it. This is who we are. This is what the Browns defense is going to be about. And we are not stopping anytime soon. And I do believe that. Um, but I also think that there were some other things, uh, like you, you mentioned, the weather was a factor for both quarterbacks. They really, really struggled. And when you take away uh, Joe Burrow's arm and his ability to pass the ball effectively, then, you know, that's, you know, that takes away most of his game. And then uh, the fact that he was coming off the calf injury, not to make excuses for him, but he wasn't necessarily himself. He wasn't really necessarily going to be able to take off running or do some of the things that Deshaun did to make up for the fact that he couldn't throw the ball. Um, so there was all of that. And then there was, and call it what you want. I'm going to, I'm going to call it uh, a factor, and that was what Jamar Chase said. And it caused these guys to come out and play with their hair on fire. We're talking about the fact that he referred to them as elves and said Cleveland is Cleveland. And it ticked them off to no end. I, I had talked to a couple players in the locker room. They told me, um, you know, some off the record that, yes, they were upset about this and it was going to be uh, be in their bonnet heading into this game. And and it was. So I think it was all of those things together. I refuse to believe a, a player actually said a bee in their bonnet. <laughs> this is a family podcast. Um, no, I mean, look, we've seen it with this defense before. Like, they they carry that chip on their shoulder, Ashley. Like, we've seen, like, it just does something to this defense. Like, 
there's a world where they come out and play lackadaisically. I mean, we've seen them struggle before, but when, when there's a motivational factor there, when there's somebody who said something, whether it was on a podcast or in a press conference, wherever it was, this defense responds. And that goes all the way back again to the Juju Smith-Schuster line. Like this defense, like nobody should say anything bad about this defense because that's what wakes them up in the morning and that's what gets them going. Yeah, you know, I think that is true, right? And I think a lot of the times, too, for whatever reason, for better and worse, like it's happened against the Bengals, right? Like in each of the last two years, too, you know, you can think of where it last year it was that this perceived slight of those three receivers going on the podcast and saying it's on site and calling Greg Newsom not elite. And I think like they use that in the Halloween game, right? And Greg Newsom after that game talked about needing to shut them up again was the quote. Um, and even the year before that in Cincinnati, they were coming on the heels of all the Odell Beckham Jr. exit drama. And, you know, they start off the game with Denzel Ward's pick six. So I do think that is true. But I will also say, like, it's funny that we say this defense uses it because this defense to me is like so different than even the defense a year ago, only three of those guys, you know, we saw Jim Schwartz rotate eight guys in on that defensive line today. Only three of those guys are returners and Alex Wright, um, Jordan Elliott and Miles Garrett, obviously. There's a lot of new pieces on this defense. And I think too, like, yes, this defense always responds, but so much is new on top of a new coordinator in Jim Schwartz. And I think it just kind of shows like, hey, this is why we made all these changes up front, especially. And Mary-Kate, like, to take this from the way I, the way I was kind of asking guys about this in the, in the locker room after the game, to take this from on paper to on grass, like, that's a big step. And we've seen that before with this team where it's like, yeah, they're, they're great on paper, and then we see it on the field, and it never quite lives up to the hype. So I, I just don't think there's – I don't think we can be hyperbolic about what today's performance was. And, you know, obviously we can spin it forward a little bit, what what it will mean. But, like, for it to start like this, I think is so important because I don't know what we'd be talking about if there would have been, like, three blown coverages and, you know, if the pass rush would have been kind of quiet and it would have been like, well, this is the, the Joe Woods stuff all over again. And for it to just be the polar opposite of that, for them to take it from paper to the grass like this was just, it, it's so important. It means so much moving forward here. Not, we always overreact to week one, but I don't think that's an overreaction. I, I think what we saw today was absolutely vital for Browns fans, for these players, for everybody. Yeah, I think so too. I I do really agree with you on that. And I think we saw it coming. I mean, how can you add all of these guys to the defensive line? I don't think we've been overstating it all summer is what I'm trying to say here. We've been writing it. We've been saying it. We've been talking about how they're going to be a rabid uh, bunch of dogs attacking the quarterback. And that's what they were. And I, I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. And I think that a lot of it has to do with Jim Schwartz and how he runs his defense and how he, uh, you know, allows his defensive linemen uh, to just go forward and not think too much and just go crazy and wreak havoc and and disrupt the quarterback and and be who you are. And I think a key thing to note, and I, I wrote this somewhere recently, is that Miles Garrett really needs to love what he's doing and understand it and really like his coordinator in order for his best to come out. And I think he loves Jim Schwartz. 
I think he absolutely loves his defensive coordinator and what he's doing here. And how could he not? I mean, look at what can happen, uh, you know, when this whole thing works together like this. Now, I will say this. The Bengals, you know, they did go out and they got Orlando Brown. But their offensive line is not a strength of their football team. It's still just not that. Um, And there will be times when the Browns don't run up against an offensive line that is, you know, as average as this one. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know when, I mean, it would almost, it seems to me it would almost take like an Eagles offensive line uh, to handle this defensive line there. I think they're that good, but, um, but I, you know, there will be games where it might be a little tougher than it was today. So Here's a question from Kyle from Northampton, Massachusetts, uh, sent in a few points, but um, one of his points is, do the Browns have the best cornerback room in the NFL? I don't know. It has a chance to be really good. But Ashley, I do think for all this talk of the pass rush, and rightfully so, the secondary played really well today. And I'm thinking specifically, too, of like when the Browns were up 10 to 3 in the third quarter, Joe Burrow's best throw of the day was a ball down the right side to T. Higgins, and Grant Delpit played it perfectly and, and broke it up. Uh, you know, they, there weren't a ton of chances for the secondary to make plays, and, and there were no turnovers for us today. But I thought the secondary held up their end of the bargain when they needed to today, and, and that's a big part of this story too. Yeah, and I think, too, there was another play by Martin Emerson on the far sideline. I think it was Tyler Boyd, not T. Higgins. But he he didn't get credited with the pass defense, but he was like right in his face. And I'm like, how does he make a play like that? Um, but yeah, I also I started laughing when you started asking the question, Dan, because remember last year when we drafted position groups and I took the corners with my first pick and everyone's like, everyone all season last year is like, what are you talking about? What is happening? All they're doing is breaking down. I we're feel, not here to talk. We're not here to talk about the past. I feel vindicated more than a year later. It was mostly the texters that came for me. So I need you all to know I heard you, and I am here to victory lap on you now because it's basically the same room, uh, just in a different scheme. But I do think like that's key. You know, I think in in the locker room, my, one of my favorite quotes from Grant Delpit. Somebody asked him about complimentary football. It might have been you, Dan, and he said it's like. And like how they worked together today. And he said it was like Kobe and Shaq. And I I loved that line. I thought it was good. And I think you see it. Miles even credited the secondary today with allowing them to kind of, you know, work so hard up front. And then those guys were there backing them up. And I think that's key when you're going to blitz as much as these guys did. And when you're going to throw five defensive linemen out there, you need those guys behind you to be able to trust that they're going to finish the play when they need it. And the handful of times they needed it today, that's what they got. So I think that's also part of the reason why it looked so good. Okay, if you want to be victory lapped by Ashley, if you want to be dunked on by Ashley because you disagree with her, you've got to become a Football Insider subscriber. Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. Uh, Texting the newsletter. I'm actually writing Monday's newsletter, so it's still time to get involved if you hear this before Monday morning. And then um, what else? Oh, yeah. Access to those stories at cleveland.com slash Browns behind the paywall. Quick break, and then we are going to go to the other side and talk a little bit of Deshaun Watson. And back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, post-game edition, the Browns are winners over the Bengals. Uh, Second home opening win since 1999, the first one since those Jeff Garcia days. 
uh, way back in what, 2004, 2005, something like that. I don't remember, just a long time ago. That's all you need to know. Um, okay, Deshaun Watson, there was obviously, and uh, you know, we appreciate all of the texts that came in. Uh, there's no way that I can sit here and read them all on this podcast without, uh, with, without going for about five hours here. But there were some questions about Deshaun Watson, as you could imagine. And so I'm going to go to this one from the 440 area code. How concerned are you about Deshaun Watson missing open receivers and having poor placement on some of his receptions? It was wet, but this is Cleveland. An elite quarterback has to be able to function in conditions like today's. This is from Dan in Moreland Hills. Um, So Mary Kay, Deshaun Watson, obviously really effective with his legs today. Uh, but the throwing was it let there were some balls that were left short. It seemed like his footwork was a little funky at times. Um, it it didn't look great when he threw the football. Do we chalk it up to weather? Is is there any reason for long term concern? What do you think? You know, I'm going to chalk it up to weather. If Joe Burrow had gone out there and had a stellar passing day, then I think that Browns fans and the Browns might have a lot more to worry about right now. But it just seemed like one of those days where you couldn't get a good grip on the ball. It never let up. Every time we looked out there, it was raining and raining and raining. There was a short period of time right in the beginning of the second half where it looked to me like it may have let up a little bit. Other than that, it was just a constant wet, wet afternoon. It just really, really was difficult conditions. I'm going to chalk it up to that because I... I just refuse to believe that he could be that inaccurate on his own. I mean, it was uncanny to see him, you know, bounce passes in front of people and throw so many low balls and do all the things that we were seeing. It was just like, what is this? Well, you know, what it was, was a quarterback who just did not handle the conditions very well. And the concerning thing about that, I was thinking about this in the postgame, I was like, But, you know, Joe Burrow is from Ohio, right? I mean, he grew up in this kind of weather. He plays for the Bengals. He plays in the AFC North and has done so for the past three years. And he couldn't do it either. Um, So I I think that, you know, I'm going to give Deshaun a little bit of a, a pass on this one because of those things. But I absolutely was thinking about the fact that they need to simulate some inclement weather and some conditions because he's not used to playing in this kind of stuff. He's just not. And this was like warm weather and rain. Wait until it's freezing rain. So, you know, I I do think, and he, you know, his record against the AFC North, take the Browns out of the mix, was only two and six heading into this game. Uh, so now he improved that to three and six, but I think some of that has to do with probably the conditions and the weather. And I think he's going to have to work on that. Yeah, this, this was a concerning performance, but also a concerning performance with the, an excuse. So it's it's hard to really say like anything definitive about it. I'll read this text from the 330 area code. Um, I think you can't give the defense all the credit for Joe Burrow's performance and not give Deshaun some slack because of the weather conditions. Uh, This person was at the game, and they say the weather played a big role in both passing games. The Browns were just built better to handle it with Chubb and Watson's legs. And I think that was maybe the encouraging thing, Ashley, is Deshaun, 
you know, we know that ability exists, but to see just what his ability to run with the football and he checks into that, that touchdown run uh, as well, just to kind of see that actually happen and what that looks like that you come away feeling good about that. But um, you know, I, I do just want to see Deshaun have a dominant passing game at some point, which we just haven't gotten to see yet. Yeah, I think that's like what is the discouraging part. And even early, you know, it took until the 33-second mark in the first quarter for him to complete a pass to somebody other than Nick Chubb. Like, when we were sitting in that game, I'm like, it feels like he hasn't, like, passed anybody else. And I looked, and I'm like, oh, it's because... He hasn't. Nick Chubb has caught, I think it was three or four. I can't remember if Nick caught all four of his passes that early, um, but most of his passes came during that first quarter. So I wondered, like, if that was part of it, too, and just, like, I know the ball was slick today. Um, That certainly played a factor, but, yeah, like, the amount of underthrows was really weird. I know I'd be curious to watch some of those back, and, and we say none of this is definitive, like, this is what we mean, like, and, and talk to them because I wonder if his footwork was off or something. And that's obviously a little bit more concerning, but that's something Alex Van Pelt is great at as a coach. So I guess that would be the good news if there were footwork issues in this game, which I don't know that there were, but it is something to keep in mind. And that's when you start to wonder of, Oh, if that's going to be a major issue, if it's because he still really only had six games last year, I don't know, but it is something to think about. The weather definitely, I think, you you have to say it played a factor. Um, and then for Joe Burrow, too, you also, I think, have to say the, the calf played a factor in missing all the time that he did. So, Mary Kay, I guess, and, you know, I know Lance Reisland is going to listen to this, so maybe he can, can help us out here. And, and we'll have Lance on this week, too, to kind of break things down. But just sort of watching this game, just eyeballing it in real time, it felt a little bit like... I don't feel like Deshaun looked super comfortable in the pocket today. Um, it felt a little bit like he, he just wasn't sitting back there and, and kind of looking to pick this defense apart. It felt a little bit like the Bengals were trying to kind of get him out of there. And when he got out of there, he lost his footwork a little bit and just missed on some throws. So, you know, again, look, when you win, first of all, as Kevin Stefanski likes to call it, that's a deodorant. So, who cares? You won the game, and, and now you build on this and, and hope Deshaun continues to improve and play better. But I, I think if there's one thing I'm just still a little uncomfortable with, it's the fact that I don't know that he ever really looked comfortable today. Um, and that's just after what we saw last season in those six games and then today, like I just want to see a game where I feel like, okay, there's De- there's Deshaun Watson again. And, and I think we will see it at some point, but it was just disappointing to not see it today. They were getting a lot of different looks. They were getting a lot of pressure. They were getting a lot of things uh, going on, a lot of just exotic stuff coming at him from this defense. That's a really, really good Bengals defense. And they were crossing him up uh, in the beginning. And, um, you know, especially, again, in the first half. And I think that had something to do with it. I don't think he had a lot of time. I don't think, I think he had to try to process very, very quickly. I think they were, you know, mixing, mixing things up and, um, and making it so that he was, he was having a hard time, you know, checking down or IDing things or whatever the case may be. So I think their defense had a lot to do with it. Let's not forget that, you know, these guys went 12 and four last year for a reason. And it wasn't just because of Joe Burrow. It's because they have an amazing uh, scheme. They've got a really good defense and, uh, you know, and they play good team ball. And I think that 
Um, you know, I just, I think that had something to do with it. I can't remember how many times Deshaun was sacked, but he was sacked a couple of times. He was I mean, sacked uh, three. He was, so he's 16 of 29, 154. Uh, and he was sacked three times. Yeah. So he was, he was sacked a couple times. He held the ball too long. Uh, but once again, that's a function of, uh, you know, a good defense, you know, covering well and, you know, crossing you up and confusing the heck out of you. And I think that they did a fantastic job of, of doing some of that stuff. It was like two really good sort of defensive battles going on in the beginning. And I know some, I saw some texters ask about Dewan Jones, and I, I feel like this might transition us into another question somehow, but I want to bring up the fact that Jack Conklin's injury, knee injury from what we know is significant, and we don't have anything definitive on that yet. And Dewan Jones did step in today and play pretty well. But I think suddenly, again, we've been wondering about that tackle depth and who they're going to play and and how it's going to work out. You know, James Hudson is another option that's there. But it's a really difficult text next week going against those Steelers edge rushers and T.J. Watt. And we've seen T.J. Watt beat up on James Hudson the last two years when Jack Conklin was out with other injuries. So that also, I think, is you know, adds to if you're, you want to add a check in the reasons to maybe be mildly concerned column, that's certainly something to be aware of because Deshaun Watson is not an easy guy to block for because of what we've been talking about, the way he holds on to the balls and goes through his checks and wants to make the explosive play, which is great. And you kind of have to just account for that. But this tackle situation now is, is another element to this too. Yeah, and uh, it's, it is a different world when the Steelers are going to get to spend a while. Now, the Steelers got beat up today. When the Steelers are going to get to spend the week, though, knowing that they are going to face Dewan Jones. Okay, we're going to do one more break here, and then we're going to just hit sort of some, some random topics here on our post-game podcast, uh, some different things. Maybe talk a little bit more uh, about Jack Conklin on the other side of this break. And back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, I mentioned this, the Steelers today, 30-7 to losers to the San Francisco 49ers. Kenny Pickett threw for 232 yards, a touchdown, uh, and two interceptions. But San Francisco having a field day against the, the Steelers, so even more good news for Browns fans there. But the Browns are going to face a very angry Steelers team on Monday Night Football. Mary Kay, Jack Conklin, um, you know, just – this is a guy that worked his way back from that injury last season and then get, earns the extension last December, uh, which obviously now is, is a very well-timed extension for him. Just an ugly injury. You could tell right away just the way he went down in obvious pain. They carted him off. This is a guy that has said he never wanted to leave the field you know, on a cart. Uh, so it's very significant that they actually had to put him on the cart to take him off the field. It, this is tough. You know, the Dewan Jones thing aside, just losing a guy like Jack, who, when he's healthy, is one of the best right tackles in the league. Obviously, a guy that loves Cleveland, loves being here. His wife is from here. Like, I mean, this is just from from the personal side, this is just a really difficult injury. And, and Kevin, I think, summed it up well, too, in the post game. Yeah, it's really so unfortunate. And as you mentioned, uh, you know, Jack is just someone that that 
everyone loves Jack Conklin. I mean, he's just one of those guys that, uh, you know, he's just a terrific guy. He's a terrific friend and teammate. Miles really, really had, uh, you know, some heartfelt things to say about him. So did Deshaun. These guys know that his season is probably over on a season ending knee injury. And then who knows where that leads? Because uh, the way that Miles put it is that Jack uh, contemplated whether or not he even wanted to come back from the last injury that he had. Uh, so here he was out there doing everything. Uh, that he could. And he goes down with this serious knee injury. Now he's going to probably be looking at a surgery and another grueling rehab. And he's got small children and, um, you know, it's just going to be a tough road to hoe for him. And that's really sad and unfortunate. Um, good for the Browns that they have good tackle depth. And, um, you know, I think it's going to be the, you know, sort of the beginning of the Dewan Jones era. They felt that he was a first round talent and that's what you do with first roundish players. You put them in, in their rookie seasons, and it's probably going to be time uh, for Dewan to go in there and show what he can do. And he's going to have to do it against one of the toughest defenses in the NFL and one of the best players in the NFL in TJ Watt. Yeah. It's, I just, I mean, Ashley, you talked about it before the break, just facing that team Dewan, and now, and now Dewan Jones is out there, but um, you know, a, a great opportunity for him, but again, just, you know, just just losing Jack is really tough. And, and, you know, I think a few years ago, we did a draft of best Browns players. And it was like Joel and Jack were like clearly the best 2-0 linemen. It was one or the other, whoever you preferred. And so, I, I mean, this is tough. It's not going to be easy to replace him. Yeah, I mean, he's an all-pro level guy. Those guys are it's a dime a dozen. It's really hard to find that and to get that accolade, especially as a tackle. I mean, the bar is really high. Um, especially as a left tackle, but as a right tackle too. I mean, it's it's a tough loss for them. And this is a guy too who's more than dealt with his fair share of injuries, especially that 2021 season was just absolutely brutal for him. So I think to, to make it through 2022, like mostly unscathed, was, was a good thing. And I think you saw that with the amount they were able to play him. But it's tough now. And like I said, I mean, it's, it's going to be a, a tough, I guess, barometer, or it's going to be tough competition that Dewan Jones is going to have to go against. Um, and it's going to come quick. And we've talked about this beginning stretch of the season for months now. So he's going to have to learn quick. And it's just, I don't know what more there is to say about it than that. Okay, I've got two here, two more here that we'll, that we'll do. One is uh, positive. One is, I don't want to say completely negative, but a little bit on the other side. Uh, this comes from the 304 area code. Were there any pleasant surprise performances on offense or defense, Mary Kay? Um, you know, I thought, I thought Grant Delpit had a really nice game defensively. Uh, I, he really, really did a nice job. He had that one pass breakup that we, uh, you know, that we talked about. And he was very, very active. He said uh, that, you know, he wants to be great. And he is now a couple years out from his ruptured Achilles. I think he's feeling more back to himself again. And uh, they were without Juan Thornhill today. So they really did need him to step up even more. I thought he did so. I thought Denzel Ward was really good. Uh, so, you know, you saw some really good stuff from the secondary in general. But those were a couple of guys. And there were more. But those were a couple of guys that stood out. Ashley, pleasant surprises. You know what? I'm going to actually go to the special team size side of the football, and I'm not going to go where people may think I'm going to go because I 
even tweeted, I think, about these during the game. But Mike Ford Jr. and Cam Mitchell both made amazing stops to give, you know, limit the Bengals and give them really bad field position. So I loved both of those plays. I think those are the kind of plays that Bubba Ventrone would love. I can imagine them going over those and getting gold stars or whatever it is they do uh, when they make a really stellar special teams play. But it goes, I think, with Cam Mitchell shows how, as a rookie, you can continue to make an impact, even if you're not getting a ton of offensive or defensive snaps. Uh, And Mike Ford Jr. kind of shows how a guy who's been a career kind of special teamer who went from being like an undrafted guy or a seventh round guy to being that um, and why he's why it's so important to give Bubba Ventrone guys like that for this unit. I'll I'll, I'll take the obvious one. And I think just because we need to talk about him um, a a little bit, let's go. uh, Let's go with our kicker here that that debuted today for the Cleveland Browns, Dustin Hopkins. Um, Made his kicks. You know, it's, it's one of those things. I, I remember seeing a, a Twitter comment at one point about Cade York where I, I, someone said something sarcastic and someone responded like, it's not really unreasonable to expect your kicker to make kicks. And Dustin Hopkins did that today. He just he just made kicks. And just a little sort of uh, locker room moment. Corey Bajorquez uh, was waiting to get to his locker. He's right next to Cade. Or Cade, oh my God. He's right next to Dustin Hopkins. And, but you, the, the kicker has to come out a little bit because he's behind a pole. So there's been so many games where Corey has had to stand there and wait to get to his locker to get dressed. And a couple of us were standing there and we just joked with him. One of these days, Corey, we're not going to be talking to the kicker after a game and you're going to be able to just get to your locker after you shower. But uh, had to talk to Dustin today. Uh, he had a really nice day. Okay, so now the other side of this coin, Mary Kay, is any concerns after this game? Or what is your biggest concern after this game? Um, let's see. My biggest concern after this game. If, if you don't have one off the top of your head, I can throw one out there that somebody brought up. Okay, go ahead and throw one out there because I would need to think about that for a minute because so, for the most part, I, I felt pretty good about things across the board. So go ahead. Right. And so I think this might be maybe like the only big one. And it's just, are we still a little concerned about that backup running back position. Yeah, I've been concerned about that all, um, you know, since the beginning of um, the moment when Jerome Ford went down with the hamstring injury on August 7th. I've been concerned about it since then because I don't often see players just step right into the season and have a great season when they've missed most of camp. I think you could even see that with Joe Burrow today. I mean, it's very, very difficult to miss almost all of training camp and suddenly be amazing. I mean, you really kind of have to ramp back up uh, into, into this job, into game shape, into, uh, you know, getting hit and doing all those kinds of things. So I think it is a mild concern, but I, I thought he did some decent things. Say he had the fumble that cannot happen. Okay. That can't happen. Um, fortunately, the defense helped them overcome two turnovers. They didn't get any points out of those two takeaways. Um, but, um, I, I think that Jerome will be okay. And as we could see, uh, they are at least in the early going until Jerome is going to be up to speed, going to be using Nick more on third down and in the passing game. Yeah. Ashley, is that the one or do, or do you have another one? Yeah, I mean, I think that one's a fair one. I mean, I kind of already talked about tackle depth. I mean, Dewan Jones played well today, and he played well in the preseason. So that's something that it it just can be a lot for 
for rookies early to kind of have to step into this kind of role. So I guess that would be one as well on, on the offensive side. Okay, one last thing. New surprise segment alert. I just thought of this. Um, but this is sort of to give us some runway to talk about someone that we haven't talked about that we should. Um, so, right, we like your one last kind of thought from the game, if that makes sense. And I'll give you an example. This is basically what, what I'll say. And this was my zero column. So I'm just stealing this from my zero column. I think today was important because this, this was the Browns finding a way to win a game when things weren't perfect, when you just had to figure out a way to win it. They used Deshaun's legs. They leaned on Nick Chubb. Of course, the defense was dominant. And if you want to be a good team, you have to win in a lot of different ways. You can't just win the way you want to win. And I don't think Kevin Stefanski wants to win a bunch of games like this. I think he wants to score a bunch of points, have a bunch of explosive plays. But the Browns today won a game where everything wasn't perfect, far from it, but they figured it out. They won a game. And the bottom line is, at the end of the year, this isn't college football. There's no style points. You count up the wins. And this was number one. So that was that's kind of my final, final thought here, um, just kind of reiterating my zero column. Ashley, do you have one? I think I need to, I get think for me, I was going to say, I think I need to think for a minute, but I think that this defense, I, I have one. I mean, I think for me, like it's, it's just all about the defense, which we've obviously talked about a lot, but it has to do, it's something I said earlier, which is we are actually seeing the versatility that we've heard so much about. And that is the perfect first impression I think to make. Mary Kay, do you have one? Yeah, it's going to be about Deshaun. You know, I don't think that we should harshly judge Deshaun or too harshly judge Deshaun on this game. I think so much of this had to do with conditions, and I think he did what he had to do. And that is the beauty of Deshaun. It's one of the reasons why they have a dual threat quarterback. If the arm talent isn't working on this particular day for whatever reason, he can go to his legs in certain situations. And He did that. He did it very effectively. And he overcame a lot of adversity in this game. He did. He kept battling and battling and he overcame it and he didn't let it get him down. And he did what he had to do to win the football game. And I I just don't think that you're really going to see him passing the ball like this uh, too often this season. I don't think so. You two are such pros. I literally thought of that segment while we were talking like five minutes ago, and you both came through with, uh, with great final thoughts there. Um, I actually thought Ashley might just kind of go back to her zero column, which was about Nick Chubb. So just shout, shout oh, out yeah, Nick Chubb. Sorry. <laughs> great, great job, man. I mean, I will, I will say first, like, you know, we talk about this offense and everything's new. And like, I do think this was a very limited picture of the offense today, mostly because of weather, but everything's new, but Nick Chubb is still Nick Chubb with this fun new wrinkle of he was involved in the past game today and actually caught all four targets. And I mean, I think that's big just because his ability in that aspect has maybe been like the one thing that I think is a legitimate question about his game and it was just really good to see him kind of step up and still be Nick Chubb even with all these new pieces and parts. 
Okay, we got to get back to writing. We're still here at Brown Stadium. It's about 9.30. Okay, that'll do it. Browns winners, they are 1-0, 24-3 uh, over the Cincinnati Bengals. I told you about Football Insider, of course. Find us on YouTube, too. Search Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com on YouTube for that. And find the Orange and Brown Talk podcast on Instagram. Search Orange and Brown Talk. For Mary Kay and Ashley, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for listening.